Today is February 27th, 2022. I can't believe it's been nearly a month since I've done my last podcast. I started the year hoping I would do this once a week. Um, it's been uh, a very competitive with the different uh, demands on my time. Um, I've made several outlines between last uh, uh, podcast and this one uh, that would each uh, take multiple podcasts to cover. Just so much thing, so many things going on, and so so much I would like to discuss. And uh, um, I did consider uh, going over some of those uh, outlines and and uh, discussing that anyway here on the podcast, um, even though it was going to sound like ancient history in some regards. Uh, but some things came to to uh, the forefront of my mind, especially today being Sunday, um, taking some extra time with uh, the Bible, particularly the New Testament, and uh, um, as well, and and then just as it relates to our general condition and the multiple things that we're looking at here. And so I wanted to address this. I'm going to take a little different take than normal. Um, I'm going to be uh, involving uh, the scriptures and scriptural discussion uh, right up front and from a, a perspective of a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in a similar vein to maybe Ben Shapiro uh, regularly discusses some of the Jewish faith on his program and explains some of that. Um, I will be discussing some things with the assumption that uh, the people listening to me have a basic understanding of Christian background and even of the uh, Latter-day Saint faith. Um, but uh, I will try to, as I can, remember to make commentary. And some of these thoughts have been, um, I've been mulling on my, you know, in my mind for, for many, many months. And uh, I'm not sure that they're all going to come out. Um, and in fact, some of these uh, if anything, uh, may put this episode at risk for me, myself, uh, taking this off eventually, if I feel like I maybe uh, said too much. Uh, but I want to first address kind of, kind of why I'm going to be discussing what I'm discussing, even when there's so much other big news that's happening that I'm not going to discuss. Um, and it, it reminds me, I've, I've already recommended before, They Thought They Were Free by Milton Mayer. Uh, written back in the 50s about uh, how it's basically an interview with 10 regular German people and how they ended up becoming faithful Nazis um, and following the insanity of the era. And and in a way, with their stories, the warning that they have for America. But the author, the author uh, shares this thought uh, when, he's, when he's discussing the reprint of how this book uh, gradually became popular over the years. And he said, as things changed on the whole or for the worse, and the post-war world became the pre-war world, and our disarmament became rearmament, there arose a modestly circumscribed sentiment that it might be profitable to find out what it was that had made the Germans act as badly as they did. Dreadful deeds, like Auschwitz, had been done before in human history, though never on so hideously handsome a scale. But they had not been done before in an advanced Christian society like well, like ours, if we would keep such deeds from ever being done again, at least in advanced Christian societies, it might be worth digging a little deeper than the shallow grave so hurriedly dug at Nuremberg. After the heat of the long moment had gone down, it was equally difficult to cling to the pleasurable doctrine that the Germans were by nature the enemies of mankind and to cling to the still more pleasurable doctrine that it was possible for one or two, three madmen to make and unmake the history of the world. Pleasurable being pleasurable because it was easy to write off that it could ever happen again. Um, but as as history wore on, they started realizing, well, this actually might happen again. Let's why, let's find out why a good Christian society could have allowed this to happen. And so he continues, these were the things that had met the bloodshot eye. In other words, a society that was tired of the war and didn't really want to think about it again. But the, over a decade later, they came back looking for the answers. But man has many saving graces, and not the least of them is the impulse to sober up between brawls. And then he continues, and this is the point I make of, of why I'm going to be discussing the topic I am today. The German problem, and I'm every time he says German problem, I'm, I'm going to replace it with the Nazi problem. Uh, but he says the Nazi problem moves in and out of focus as the 20th century continues to produce. At an always accelerating tempo, more history than it can consume. Now just listen to this and see how much how similar this is to how we feel today. Korea is forgotten, and Hungary, Cyprus, and Suez are the new sensations. 
Hungary, Cyprus, and the Suez slide into sudden oblivion, and we are all agog at Tibet and the Congo. Tibet and the Congo vanish before we have time to put them on the map, or to find a map that has that has them. And Cuba explodes. Cuba subsides to something combining a shimmer and a snarl. And Vietnam and Rhodesia, or is it southern Rhodesia, sees us. Ghana, Guyana, Guinea. Crisis is our diet, served up as exotic dishes, and dishes ever more exotic before we were able to swallow, let alone digest, those that were just before us. Remember the Lebanon crisis of 1958, in which the United States was deeply involved? Of course not. Who would these days? Who could and why? The Nazi problem is different. It is off-center stage sometimes, but is never off-stage altogether. So why is that? It's because the Nazis were a good Christian nation that somehow went off the rails. And so at this time, there's often, you know, there's, there's so much news going on, so much that can be discussed. Um, but I'm going to come back to this topic because it is relevant. We are seeing right now things that I never imagined I could happen. I remember, I have discussed this before. I remember first learning about in, 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 in more greater depth in fifth grade about the Nazi regime and wondering since that time, how could a people have gone so far off the rails to support a regime that was so inhumane? How is it that someone could have actually lived with that? Well, we are seeing it now. And as I read these, I'm going to read two leaflets of resistance by the, the, the resistance of the White Rose that existed in Germany from 1942 to 1945. And they started distributing leaflets to, to bring to uh, the, the uh, general consciousness the atrocities that the Nazi party and the Nazi government uh, were, were promoting at this time. And doing so to draw a parallel to the kind of spirit we need to have in defending our freedom and stopping inhumane acts before they actually take control of us and, and it becomes much more difficult to, to rid these people through peaceful means. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, leaflet number one. Uh, these, the, and I'll read both leaflet number one and leaflet number two, uh, which were distributed in the summer or fall of 1942. Um, these were uh, distributed and read in, in uh, Munich, Berlin, um, and Hamburg, and uh, um, and I'll I'll make some comments as we go through of what I think are some of the parallels with today. Um, this can be found in Students Against the Tyranny, Students Against Tyranny: The Resistance of the White Rose. First leaflet. Nothing is so unworthy of, of a civilized nation as allowing itself to be governed without opposition by an irresponsible clique that has yielded to base instinct. It is certain that today every honest German is ashamed of his government. Who among us has any conception of the dimensions of shame that will befall us and our children when one day the veil has fallen from our eyes and the most horrible of crimes, crimes that infinitely outdistance every human measure, reach the light of day? If the German people are already so corrupted and spiritually crushed that they do not raise a hand, frivolously trusting in a questionable faith in lawful order in history, if they surrender man's highest principle, that which raises him above all other gods and creatures, his free will, if they abandon the will to take decisive action and to turn the wheel of history and thus subject it in their own rational decision, if they are so devoid of all individuality, have already gone so far along the road towards turning into a spiritless and cowardly mass, then yes, they deserve their downfall. Goethe speaks of the Germans as, as a tragic people, like the Jews and the Greeks. But today it would appear, rather, that they are a spineless, willless herd of hangers-on who now, the marrow sucked out of their bones, robbed of their center of stability, are waiting to be hounded to their destruction. So it seems. But it is not so. Rather, by means of gradual, treacherous, systematic abuse, the system has put every man into a spiritual prison. Only now, finding himself lying in fetters, has he become aware of his fate. Only a few recognize the threat of ruin, and the reward for their heroic warning was death. We will have more to say about the fate of these persons. If everyone waits until the other man makes a start, the messengers of avenging nemesis will come steadily closer. Then even the last victim will have been cast senselessly into the maw of the insatiable demon. 
Therefore, every individual, conscious of his ir irresponsibility as a member of Christian and Western civilization, must defend himself as best he can at this late hour. He must work against the scourges of mankind, against fascism, and any similar system of totalitarianism. Offer passive resistance, resistance, wherever you may be. Forestall the spread of this atheistic war machine before it is too late, before the last cities like Cologne have been reduced to rubble, and before the nation's last young man has given his blood on some battlefield for the hubris of a subhuman. Do not forget that every people deserves the regime it is willing to endure. I'll read that again. Do not forget that every people deserves the regime it is willing to endure. From Friedrich Schiller's The Lawgiving of Lycurgus and Solon uh, comes this passage. Viewed in relation to its purpose, the law code of Lycurgus is a masterpiece of political science and knowledge of human nature. Kind of reminds me of Klaus Schwab and his vision. He desired a powerful, unsaleable state, firmly established in its own principles. Political effectiveness and permanence were the goal towards which he strove, and he attained this goal to the full extent possible under the circumstances. But if one compares the purpose Lycurgus had in view with the purposes of mankind, then a deep abhorrence takes the place of the approbation which we felt at first glance. Anything may be sacrificed to the good of the state, except that end for which the state serves as a means. The state is never an end in itself. It is important only as a condition under which the purpose of mankind can be attained. And this purpose is none other than the development of all of man's powers, his progress and improvement. If a state prevents the development of the capacities which reside in man, if it interferes with the progress of the human spirit, then it is reprehensible and injurious, no matter how excellently devised, how perfect in its own way. Its very permanence in that case amounts more to a reproach than to a basis for fame. It becomes prolonged evil, and the longer it endures, the more harmful it is. At the price of all moral feeling, a political system was set up and the resources of the state were mobilized to that end. In Sparta, there was no conjugal love, no mother love, no filial devotion, no friendship. All men were citizens only, and all virtue was civic virtue. I am reminded of a, an experience I knew of a young woman had in a park. Uh, she was there with her children, and um, outside, and a woman came up and screamed at her for not wearing a mask. And this after the woman had had her mask off while she was talking on the cell phone. Then she put her mask on and filmed this other lady with her kids, um, walked up to her and screamed at her for not wearing a mask. And why doesn't she care about protecting the old people like her from getting sick? That's the kind of civic virtue where the the filial devotion of just looking at other people as normal human beings was lost. Virtue was only measured in if you were obeying or signaling that you were obeying the civic laws, no matter how ridiculous they were. A law of the state made it the duty of Spartans to be inhumane to their slaves. In these unhappy victims of war, humanity itself was insulted and mistreated. In the Spartan code of law, the dangerous principle was promulgated that men are to be looked upon as means and not as ends. And the foundations of natural law and of morality were destroyed by that law. What an admirable sight is afforded by contrast by the rough soldier Gaius Marcius in his camp before Rome when he renounced vengeance and victory because he could not endure to see a mother's tears. In other words, because he was still connected to his humanity. The state of Lycurgus could endure only under one condition, that the spirit of the people remained quiescent. In other words, they wouldn't raise a stir, they'd do whatever the government told them to do. Hence, it could be maintained only if it failed to achieve the highest, the sole purpose of a state. And then they finished quoting from Goethe's The Awakening of Epimenides, Act 2, Scene 4. There are two voices speaking, spirits and hope. It starts with the first. Though he who has boldly risen from the abyss through an iron will and cunning may conquer half the world, yet to the abyss he must return. Already a terrible fear has seized him. In vain he will resist, and all who will still stand with him must perish in his fall. Hope. Now I find my good men are gathered in the night to wait in silence, not to sleep. 
and the glorious word of liberty, they whisper and murmur, till in unaccustomed strangeness on the steps of our temple once again in delight they cry, Freedom! Freedom! Please make as many of these copies of this leaflet as you can and distribute them. That was the first leaflet. And that last comment, make as many copies of this leaflet as you can, is why it is so important that we still have a voice to to share our thoughts and feelings, even after all the censorship of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and uh, uh, certainly the mainstream media, the, the, the major cable channels, etc., that have done their best to squash any discussion of the truth about the vaccines, about actual treatments for COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. You may wonder why I focus so much on COVID-19 and the vaccine when there's so much other fraud and corruption and deception happening out there. And I'll say it's because of this. It appears to me that this vaccine and COVID-19 are the central, are the central actions to make the goals of our modern-day Gadianton and robbers effective. And I'll, the Gadianton and robbers come from the Book of Mormon, kind of like Ben Shapiro. I'll, I'll interject a little bit of my own faith. I'm a Christian. I believe in the Bible. I'm also, I also believe in the Book of Mormon, which we believe is the second witness of Christ. And in the Book of Mormon, it, it tells of a group of uh, robbers called the Gadianton and robbers that were basically... Um, I guess you might describe them as kind of the mafia of the day. They were they were secret. They call them secret combinations. They were seeking to overthrow. They were actually first seeking for power and gain by murder and lies, and then eventually they took over the government. And what I see is these modern day Gadianton robbers planned for years for this particular moment, whether they created it or not. They were looking forward to it in order to create a system where they could track everyone where they could enforce uh, tyrannical laws, control the movement of the people, and, uh, and also influence their thinking in a way that was detrimental to them. And, uh, and, the, this, and part of that was, was controlling the narrative, not allowing truth to be able to have an opportunity, not allowing debate to occur. And it is so important that we have these voices right now. I can still speak on a podcast. Uh, Dell Bigtree can still broadcast over the internet. He can still send email updates with all the sources that they that they are discussing during uh, the Highwire program on the Highwire.com that they do each week. Those um, in 1776, even even our uh, own Revolutionary War was powered by leaflets. It was powered by Benjamin Franklin and other patriots uh, encouraging good writers to write and then distribute uh, and passing around to to people and waking people up of what was going on even with the tyranny and the and the oppression of the british uh, at that time communication has always been a important part of maintaining freedom and throwing off the shackles of tyranny and hence why they were so ambitious to not even let one voice survive that would actually be describing the truth about um for example, real treatments that would work with budesonide or ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or of any voice that was actually saying, hey, look, um, there's actually more people dying from the vaccine than anyone's allowed to tell you. That's what the German insurers actually came out with this past week um, and saying it's the ethical thing to do. We need to say what the governments are telling you about this vaccine is not true. We're seeing lots of death coming from this. And so uh, this insurance company in, in Germany um uh, released that this past week. If you want to look at that, uh, watch uh, Del, High, uh, Del Big Tree's HighWire.com. He does a really great piece on that uh, from from last Thursday. But that's why it's so important. And this is why um, I think you can start really seeing the signs of tyranny when they start shutting up voices, no matter how true they are. Uh, when they start trying to come up with other names, since they can't call it lies, they start coming up with all sorts of other names to try to rationalize why they're going to quiet your voice or deplatform you or censor you, even though what you're saying is true. The reason is because they can't stand against the truth and tyranny hates the truth. Tyranny runs from the truth. Um, it's why uh, Trudeau ran away once the truckers were coming because he can't stand the truth. Uh, so I'm going to continue with the second leaflet. Uh, I guess with that, the point that I wanted to make, I didn't quite 
bring to a head, which I will now. I am very encouraged by what we, the the movement that has bestirred the people, uh, so many people, to stand up for their rights, even those that have taken the vaccine, who are standing up for rights for people to not take the vaccine, to to stand up against mandates, both in Canada and now in the United States. There's a trucker convoy that will uh, that's going across the United States right now, and will arrive in. Uh, Washington, D.C. on March 1st. I hope it is as big or bigger than what we saw in Canada. And I'm so grateful for those Canadian uh, freedom lovers that were able to uh, be so brave and be an example to the world as they were uh, over these last few months. Um, and and I'm, so, I'm so encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by the amazing uh, viewership, over 6 million people every week uh, by Dale Bigtree uh, and other voices out there that are doing such a great job promulgating the truth. My concern is, is that the Gadiant robbers of our day, those are who are trying to overtake our government in order to push tyrannical goals. They're seeing this and they are taking note of how they lost a portion of this battle. And I think in the future, in the future, it may be three years, four years, five years, that they are going to push first to ensure that they have the power of censorship even greater than they had this last go around before they make their next push. I think we need to be very wary of that and stop all attempts towards censorship. So I'm going to go towards this next, uh, uh, this next leaflet, uh, leaflet number two. This will be a longer podcast. Um, and if you're still listening, then thank you. And if you're not, I totally understand. But I feel like I need to read this. So here comes the second leaflet. It says, it is impossible to engage in intellectual discourse in, with National Socialism because it is not an intellectually defensible program, just like the vaccine mandates. Um, as they talk about National Socialism, you could just throw the vaccine mandate agenda and it would fit exactly the way they're talking. I'll continue. It is false to speak of National Socialist philosophy, for if it were such an entity, one would ha have to try by means of analysis and discussion either to prove its validity or to combat it. That's exactly what they've been trying to avoid in this uh, whole discussion, is any discussion that where they would actually have to prove its validity or to receive the, uh, the discussion, the, the proof against it. In actuality, however, we face a totally different situation. At this very inception, this movement depended on the deception and betrayal of one's fellow man. Even at that time, it was inwardly corrupt and could support itself only by constant lies. After all, Hitler states in his early edition of his book, a book written in the worst German I have ever read, in spite of the fact that it has been elevated to the position of the Bible in this nation of poets and thinkers, quote, this is Hitler speaking in one of the early editions of, of Mein Kampf, it is unbelievable to what extent one must betray a people in order to rule it, end quote. If at the start this cancerous growth in this nation was not particularly noticeable, it was only because there was still enough forces at work that operated for the good so that it was kept under control. As it grew larger, however, however and finally in an ultimate spurt of growth attained ruling power, the tumor broke open, as it were, and infected the whole body the greater part of its former opponents went into hiding. I want to make a comment here. Biden, when he was running for president, was asked if he would make uh, a vaccine mandate. And he said that he would not promote a vaccine mandate. He didn't believe that the government had the power to do so. The other side obviously would have made the same argument. So when you have two sides that are making the same argument, that in that case was true, the government shouldn't be uh, pushing forward vaccine mandates, how do you know which one is lying and actually going to flip their position once they get into power? I think that I think there is a way to discern between those two parties. And uh, part of that comes from John uh, in the New Testament that I'm going to share once I'm done with this. So I think just stands so far out that explains the spirit of liberty and how Christ was and is the perfect example of standing for liberty. And so I will, um, uh, I'll come to that at the end of this leaflet here. The German intellectuals fled to their cellars. 
there like plants struggling in the dark, away from the light and sun gradually, gradually to choke to death. Just like many have tried to do with our doctors that actually were recognizing the falses that were being promoted in the medical side um, that you know were fired because either they wouldn't take the shot or fired because they continued to treat people and save their lives with ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or, or inhaling budesonide. Uh, that they these people were chased out of their places of work. Uh, currently, Google has said that they are not going to allow America's frontline doctors to pop up in Google searches. That's that's the kind of pushing that these these people are trying to push the truth into the dark. Now the end is at hand. Now, so at this point, for them, the end was at hand. This tyranny had gained absolute control. For us, we're not quite there yet. We need to bestir ourselves in the spirit of freedom and liberty before we get to this point. Now it is our task to find one another again, to spread information from person to person, to keep a steady purpose, and to allow ourselves no rest until the last man is persuaded of the urgent need of his struggle against the system. When thus a wave of unrest goes through the land, when it is in the air, when many join the cause, then in a great final effort the system can be shaken off. After all, and end in terror, terror is preferable to terror without end. At the end of this podcast, I'm going to put links to three videos that describe the moral duty of noncompliance to wicked laws and the importance it is for us not to lay down, even when, when wicked laws seem to be minor, they grow into worse things. And it's important that we uh, the the philosophical, both the philosophical and legal argument, and moral duty to not follow following uh, wicked and wrong um, and uh, lies. It's Sunday, so I'm using the 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 language of scripture after having read a lot of scripture today. Um, and uh, uh, but that it is important to not acquiesce um, in the sense that we're just going to be obedient to a government that's going to continue to to be to to express tyranny over people and it's going to be especially highlighted in this next page here of this leaflet i'll continue we are not in a position to draw up a final judgment about the meaning of our history but if this catastrophe can be used to further the public welfare it will only be by the virtue of the fact that we are cleansed by suffering that we yearn for the light in the midst of deepest night summon our strength, and finally help in shaking off the yoke which weighs on our world. Kind of like right now, we have had a discrimination against the unvaccinated for many years, and even decades, uh, keeping people who didn't want to inject poisons into their body. Uh, I come from a toxicology background, and many of these vaccines just go through the roof of all the, the toxicological burdens that the FDA has prohibited in every other product. These vaccines just crash through the roof on these things. And, and people who didn't want to do that would be prohibited from attending school or playing sports or other things. But now, in the worst vaccine in history, causing more injury than it ever has um, of any other vaccine, as well as being promoted to a greater degree with force and compulsion than any other vaccine I think has ever had, uh, finally, people are waking up in the deepest night to yearn for the light. Now, I don't think this is the deepest night. I think it could definitely go far deeper. And I'm grateful that we're waking up before we get to that point. Uh, but these are important, important points to remember. We do not want to discuss here the question of the Jews. Now, so at this time, uh, one of the arguments that the Nazis were using against the Jews to round them up was that the Jews were, were quote-unquote communists, and therefore they were enemies of the state, and we need to round them up and, and put, send them to these camps. Obviously, so this is what they're saying. We're not going to address this political question, this political argument that they're communists. But this is what they said. Nor do we want in this leaflet to, to compose a defense or an apology. No, only by way of example do we want to cite the fact that since the conquest of Poland, 300,000 Jews have been murdered in this country in the most bestial way. I think this is important here because there's, well, let me read the next sentence. Here we see the most frightful crime against human dignity, a crime that is unparalleled in the whole of history. So I need to make a point here. There are some in the erudite, supposedly erudite communities of the, of the universities or the university educated that are trying to promote that the Russians invented the Holocaust. That, they took, that when they ran over Auschwitz, they invented this whole story of what Hitler was doing against the Nazis 
in order to turn public opinion against the Nazis, as if public opinion needed to be turned against the Nazis. Uh, but there is definitely an effort among those uh, those supposedly educated trying to prove that uh, the Holocaust actually didn't happen, that it was a fiction, that Hitler actually wasn't targeting the Jews uh, for death and for annihilation or, or with a final solution um, or, or or promoting these these horrible um, situations in the concentration camps. because And that it was all a fiction created by the Jews, I mean, the, the Russians, um, as a as a way of targeting the Nazis. Well, here it is, 1942. The Russians are nowhere near the border of the of Germany. In fact, at this time in 1942, the Germans are doing very well, uh, relatively, and uh, and are in complete possession of their entire state. And yet here, within the borders of Germany, the Germans themselves are recognizing that. 300,000 Jews have been murdered in this country in the most bestial way. We see the most frightful crime. Here we see the most frightful crime against humanity. I want to put that down as a foot stomp, that the arguments out there that the Holocaust never happened, which somehow are becoming more popular in these education institutions, is absolutely and completely false, a deception, and a lie. The, the, and here is proof right here, 1942, as early as 1942, uh, a, a citizen of citizens, uh, so much so that it was they expressed it as common knowledge. They knew what was happening to the Jews. They were being slaughtered. The Holocaust happened. Hitler was an evil man, and so was the Nazi regime. So I continue. For Jews, too, are human beings, no matter the position we take with respect to the Jewish question. In other words, are these re people really communists? Are they, are they really the the supposedly the political enemies that the Nazis say they were, where they're saying, well, even if they are, which they say um, is is uh, uh, they're they're not going to make an argument about that. Even if they are, they're human beings and they deserve humane treatment. They deserve our respect as human beings, is what they're saying. And so they say we take with respect to um, the Jews too are human beings, and a crime of this dimension has been per perpetrated against human beings and that is a key to liberty of looking at human be other human beings as human beings and not dividing them up into all these different classes and deciding which kind of rights these people are going to have uh, according to the state over those people because they're doing what the state wants because they're 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 changing their biological makeup with a vaccine versus not therefore they get more rights no they're still human beings Someone may say that the Jews deserve their fate, again coming to this communist argument. The assertion, this assertion would be a monstrous impertinence. But let us assume that someone said this. So they're saying we totally disagree with this. But let's say that, okay, for a moment, the, you, could, you could fictitiously say that the, that the Jews somehow deserve this. They're going to say, well, what about this other example of inhumanity of the Nazis? They say, what position... Has he taken, speaking of Hitler, toward the fact that the entire Polish aristocratic youth is being annihilated? I bet you didn't know about those crimes from the Nazis. May God grant that this program has not fully achieved its aim yet. And this was the program. All male offspring of the houses of the nobility between the ages of 15 and 20 were transported to concentration camps in, Germ in Germany and sentenced to forced labor. And all girls of this age were sent to Norway into the bordellos of the SS. Why tell you these things since you are fully aware of them? Or if not of these, then of the other equally grave crimes committed by this frightful subhumanity, speaking of the Nazis, making themselves subhuman by their brutality. Because here we touch on a problem which involves us deeply and forces us to take all take thought. Why do the German people behave so apathetically in the face of all these abominable crimes, crimes so unworthy of the human race. Hardly anyone thinks about that. It is accepted as fact and to put it as fact and put out of mind. The German people slumber on in their dull, stupid sleep and encourage these fascist criminals. They give them the opportunity to carry out their de depredations, and of course they do so. In this is this a sign that the Germans are brutalized in their simplest human feelings? That no chord within them cries out at the sight of such deeds? that they can have sunk into a fatal consciousness from which they will never, never wake? 
I want to mention, I want to mention some of you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to us right now. There's no people being, there's no group of, you know, a whole class of girls being sent into the bordellos of, you know, whatever our modern day SS might be. There's no, um, forced labor camps of the young men of, you know, whatever, there's no countries being taken over. Actually, now there is, um, where young men are being forced to, to send, you know, to labor camps. Well, let me tell you what I think is absolutely stunning. Peaceful protesters being held in incarceration without charge for months and months on end, now well over a year. Concentration camps, literal concentration camps built in Australia for the unvaccinated. Brutal stampeding over handicapped protesters in Canada with no help from the authorities. The authorities actually causing and stampeding that. These are crimes against humanity. These are crimes that should wake people up. Uh, when you when you have rhetoric saying people are having opinions that cannot be tolerated. Opinions, internal thoughts of the mind that are now crimes according to Justin Trudeau. And so I so I would I would do this as well. Have they sunk into a fatal consciousness which they will never, never awake? It seems to be so, and will certainly be so, if the German does not at last start up out of his stupor, if he does not protest wherever and whenever he can against this clique of criminals, if he shows no sympathy for these hundreds of thousands of victims, he must evidence not only sympathy, no much more, a sense of complicity in guilt. For through his apathetic behavior, he gives these evil men the opportunity to act as they do. He tolerates this government which has taken upon itself such an infinitely great burden of guilt. Indeed, he himself is to blame for the fact that it came about at all. So I have alluded to this, but I want to mention this again. The, story, I, the, the four stages. First is complacency. You know, we became complacent with uh, freedoms being lost, with other you know, laws that we've had with regarding vaccination for a long time. Um, as, as I just previously discussed. Then we have compliance, where um, people are allowed to, the, the, the compliance is pushed um, in order to keep your job. You have to, you have to be, be compliant. In order to get into the university, you have to be compliant. In order to actually get into watch a play, like happened to my son and parents at BYU just a while ago, they were not even allowed to walk into a play because... They could not show their vaccine cards. That's the step of compliance. And then finally comes complicit. Once the truth starts to come out that for in this case, our modern example, and this is only a modern example there. This is not, hasn't, as I'm reading now, this has not been the first time this type of government tyranny has taken place as supportive and supported by the people. It will not be the last time. But in our modern example, the truth is coming out about how um, untrue and unfaithful these companies have been in reporting the tests that where they came up with these vaccines. Uh, Pfizer came to the tried to come to the defense of the FDA to try to prevent the the FDA's papers on the analysis of, of these vaccines to keep them from coming out from for 55 years. Um, the CDC has recently come under fire because they're not releasing their data on the vaccine. Even by pro-vaccine people are, are uh, coming out against the CDC saying, you need to release this data, which the CDC is saying, oh, we're not going to because, quote unquote, it's not ready for prime time. This, once the truth starts coming out, as it, did, as it has in the UK, in Alberta, which they took, took down the information, in, uh, in various countries that are, are showing... Scotland, I believe it was, that were showing that the double vaccinated were twice as likely to end up in the hospital than the unvaccinated of the, the as was shown in Germany this past week when they released the, the numbers or, and, and announced an insurance company in Germany announced that they were having high numbers of people die from the vaccine and that even though it was not maybe the best business decision to make, it was the ethical thing to do to come out and tell people these governments are lying. This vaccine is not w what they say it is. When insurance companies here in the United States show a 40% increase 
in working population deaths than uh, they normally see, when just a 10% increase is a third, st third standard deviation uh, from what we normally see in, in statistically in deaths in the working population. Just 10% above is a third standard deviation over. 20% over is a 200-year catastrophe. And we're at 40% increase from last year, in last year, uh, incre increase in death of the working population. And that's in, that's in 2021, not 2020, when supposedly COVID was uh, killing all these people. It wasn't. In 2021, which the only thing that changed between 2020 and 2021 was that we had the vaccine. And we have this huge catastrophe that, that only that these insurance companies finally came out and said, this is the ethical thing to do. We've got to say this. So you have this type of thing. I'm just scratching the surface. I'm just scratching the surface. We could go hours like Del Victory has every week, two to three hours discussing the truths and the falses and deceptions that are coming out and being and being proven on this, that the vaccines are causing more harm than good. They're causing myocarditis in the in the young, even as high as one in 100. Um, that the, the they're causing death, they're increasing probability towards hospitalization and death. Um, the, the vaccine is a nightmare. The truth is starting to come out. And that's where the step of complicity comes in. When the truth comes out and people, even though they start to see that the lie is a lie, that the government was pushing a lie, that instead of saying, oh, you know what? We're going to turn around. And I may have, I may have supported this when I didn't know, but I'm going to continue supporting it. Now that I do know, I'm still going to push it. That is when a people becomes complicit when they start pushing the government agenda, even though they know the government agenda is tyrannical and is, and that they are promoting lies, they go along with it. That is when we get into the step of complicit. So how does the government get a, 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 a people to become tyrannical themselves, to become complicit with it when even they themselves know it's a lie? Well, because they made it so inconvenient as uh, one of the doctors on CNN was trying to say they needed to make life without a vaccine inconvenient and hard to live. They try to make life so inconvenient and hard to live that people can rationalize, well, I have to do this for my job or I have to do this for my family. I have to do this just to get by. And so they become complicit in continuing forward the lies and deceptions and enforcing things, even when there is no authority there to enforce it, even when there is no authority exists that will enforce the law supposed law or rules that they made without uh, a law um, when but that they themselves become the enforcers of the government promoting this tyranny and these lies even when they know it's lies that's when we hit a complicit level when the truth comes out and they don't care and so this some of this these statements apply even to our own population as this truth as this truth comes out he says, um, for through his apathetic behavior, he gives these evil men the opportunity to act as they do. He tolerates his government, which has taken upon itself such an infinitely great burden of guilt. Indeed, he himself is to blame for the fact that it came about at all. Each man wants to be exonerated of a guilt of this kind. Each one continues on his way with the most placid and calmest conscience but he cannot be exonerated. He is guilty, guilty, guilty. It is not too late, however, to do away with the most reprehensible of all miscarriages of government, so as to avoid being burdened with even greater guilt. Now, when in recent years our eyes have been opened, when we know exactly who our adversary is, it is high time to root out this brown horde. Up until the outbreak of the war, the brown horde was the brown shirts. That was the, uh, you know, basically, as the Nazis were taking over, they wore brown. Up until the outbreak of the war, the larger part of the German people was blinded. As I would say, many of us who were convinced that this was, you know, the starting out with just 14 days to stop the spread, many were blinded. Many, when they actually thought the mask actually did something, they were blinded. Many, when they thought the vaccine would actually do something, they were blinded. Now the truth is coming out. It's out there for anyone who wants to see. Um, uh, the, the, the book, um, The Real Anthony Fauci, particularly chapters 1 and 9, 10, 11, and 12, 
are extremely uh, open about and obvious about how these lies were promulgated or continue to be promulgated. So up until the outbreak of the war, you know, up until the outbreak of, of uh, all these policies, the larger part of the American, American people was blinded. I'm doing a par- uh, paraphrase to us. And, but they finished. The Nazis did not show themselves in their true aspect, as did our government not show itself in its true aspect. I just mentioned when Biden himself said, I won't push for vaccine mandates. I don't think the government has that power. They did not present themselves in their true aspect. In other words, they were liars. Lies, lies, lies. They have a lying spirit. They don't portray who they really are. But now that we have recognized them for what they are, it must be the sole and first duty, the holiest duty of every German to destroy these beasts. In other words, to take them out of power. If the people are barely aware that the government exists, they are happy. When the government is felt to be oppressive, they are broken. Good fortune, alas, builds itself upon misery. Good fortune, alas, is the mask of misery. What will come of this? We cannot foresee the end. Order is upset and turns to disorder. Good becomes evil. The people are confused. Is it not so day in, day out from the beginning? The wise man is therefore angular. Though he does not injure others, he has sharp corners. Though he does not harm, he is upright but not gruff. He is clear-minded, but he does not try to be brilliant. That was a quote from Lao Tzu. And then continuing, they also quote, Whoever undertakes to rule the kingdom and to shape it according to his whim, I foresee that he will fail to reach his goal. This, that is all. The kingdom is a living being. It cannot be constructed in truth. He who tries to manipulate it will spoil it. He who tries to put it under his power will lose it. Therefore, some creatures go out in front, others follow. Some have warm breath, others cold. Some are strong, some are weak, some attain abundance, others succumb. The wise man will accordingly forswear excess. He will avoid arrogance and not overreach. And then they finish, please make as many copies as possible of this leaflet and distribute them. So... I made a lot of comments on why I think that applies today. I am. I think we are very fortunate that that there are many in our country and around the world, in at least half a dozen countries, where the people have been bestirred with themselves into a spirit of freedom, and are moving forward to make that those voices heard. Um, there, in March first, the trucker convoy will arise. arise arrive in Washington, D.C. I hope that they are successful in making their voices heard, that um, the administration doesn't do anything stupid uh, by by enforcing violence the way that uh, Trudeau did in his government. But unfortunately, I think there are uh, people of the same cloth, and I am uh, my prayers go out to that convo that they will be safe, and this will this will all go as smoothly as possible. Uh, but I want to mention what I, f- I think is the most important part of anything I could say today um, from the book of John in the New Testament. And I'm going to read this. This comes from John chapter 18. And this is absolutely stunning to me, especially in the light of what we just read, where the governments are, the, when, when government does its, its absolute best to deceive and to stop the truth from coming out. I think that is an obvious marker and telltale sign of whose side that government is on when they start squashing the truth and not allowing for debate, not allowing for discussion, but absolute stopping any opportunity for the truth to get out. And this comes from John chapter 18, verse 37. Uh, Jesus Christ is being brought before Pilate and Pilate says, Therefore said unto Jesus, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for for this cause came I into the world, that I, and I want you to think for a minute how you think that scripture ends, especially if you've heard that scripture as I have many times before. It's one of the most pinnacle moments of the Savior's life as he stands trial with complete dignity and calmness for, uh, you know, before the Roman powers. So I'm going to read this again. And so this comes from 
Uh, actually, I want to set this up even further. When he says, Pilate said, uh, in verse 35, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of thee, tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then they then would my servants fight, and I would I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. And so now verse 37, the center of this discussion right now. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. And I want to stop there. There's a period there. Thou sayest that I am a king. Now he's going to shift. And it's not obvious unless you read the whole entire verse. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. What do you think? How does that f- sentence finish? Because how the sentence finishes is stunning. That this is this sentence. I'm going to read the start of this again. I, to this end was I born, for this cause what came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Wow. To this end was I born. He didn't cut. He wasn't brought. He didn't wasn't born to manifest his kingliness. Here is Jesus Christ Himself saying, "I was born to bear witness unto the truth. I came into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears, heareth my voice." Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? I wish I had the words to exclaim how utterly important that verse is. Truth is the key. Truth is how you find out what side people are on. If people are standing with the truth, they are standing with God. Jesus Christ testified his whole purpose of being born was to bear witness of the truth. And then he further said how you would know his followers. How will you know the followers of God? Because everyone that is everyone that hears his voice is that of truth. Everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. And so those that are truth seekers are true followers of Christ. Even those who may not be Christian, when those that are truth seekers and are loyal to truth, they are actually loyal to Christ. I'm going to go into a little bit of uh, religion, theolo- uh, religious theology here, doctrine, uh, and just kind of explain it, understanding that not everyone listening to this podcast is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormons. Um, and but kind of like Ben Shapiro does, and I always appreciate it when he expresses some aspects of the Jewish faith and how it informs his his understanding of the world. Uh, I'm doing the same here. And so in in particularly the Pearl of Great Price, another book of scripture, uh, so it with in the in the in among the Latter-day Saints are four books of scripture, you know, the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Pearl of Great Price, the Bible being off, you know, the New Testament and the Old Testament, and the Doctrine and Covenants, and uh, it particularly in the Pearl of Great Price is an account of Abraham and Moses, and they discuss uh, the creation of the world and uh, what existed before the world in a pre-mortal existence, and that in this pre-mortal existence, um, uh, going along with Genesis in the Bible, that there were uh, two voices. And that God presented a plan and said, this is the plan for, for people to be able to return and, um, and be happy and to live with me. And that one of those voices was Christ and said, uh, well, I will go down and I will be the savior that this plan requires uh, as you're asking of it. And the other voice was Lucifer that want, instead wanted to 
force people and by compulsion bring people back to heaven, which would have not been a heaven and would have not allowed people to actually grow and experience the growth that they needed in this life. Uh, but that in, in return for that, that he would have the power of God, that he would replace God as the leader of God's children. And so uh, in, in the book, in the, uh, um, in the scriptures, it says that God answered that he would choose the first. In other words, that he would choose Jesus Christ uh, to follow through with that plan and not Lucifer's plan. And then Lucifer rebelled and a third of heaven uh, rebelled and were cast out. My, the reason why I bring this up is because the initial argument was to preserve the agency of man, preserve their freedom. And I'm, I'm not saying this as succinctly and, and as articulately as I would like to. And also, I will probably come back to this point. But my point is, is from the very beginning, how was Jesus Christ first known, even in the premortal world? Well, certainly he was Jehovah of the Old Testament, but that was, you know, we know him as Jehovah in the Old Testament when, when the earth is formed and, and people are here and Adam and Eve have, have, have come. What, how, what, how was he addressed and referred to before the world was formed? One of his first names is the firstborn. Jesus has many names, um, you know, or referred to as, as many names. One of them I've mentioned, the Messiah, the Savior. The Christ. He's also the firstborn. He was the firstborn of the Father. And so when we talk about the church of the firstborn, that's additional theology there. But I want to emphasize the church of the firstborn harkens back to what Christ was first referred to as and known as in that pre-mortal war, when the, when the discussion and the whole point of that war was the agency of man. Would we have a right to choose? Would the agency that God intended for us be preserved in our mortal experience? That was the key point that Christ was defending in our premortal existence. He was defending our agency, our right to choose. And then when he says, he, when he comes down here, he testifies himself that he was born to testify of the truth. And so when we talk about the church of the firstborn in Mormon, in, in Mormon doctrine, I'll say that only people that were born on this planet are people who followed Christ in the pre-mortal world. All others that followed Lucifer were not allowed to be born onto this planet. And that's the source of, you know, many of the evil spirits that, that torment um, man now are from those who were cast out. And so those who came here at one point, we all followed Christ. We all chose his plan instead of Lucifer's. And hence, we came here to, to fulfill the role of this, uh, of this mortal existence and to, and to learn the lessons that we need to learn here. And so I'm going to come back to who is the church of the firstborn. It's those people who cleave to truth. Just like the Savior said, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. That is how you find a follower of Christ. Even if in this life, they may not have even known of Christ. They may live in a country where they don't have access to a Bible. They've never even had Christ preach to them. But they, if they are a person who loves the truth, they have preserved what they originally fought for in the premortal realm which was the same cause of Christ. They searched for truth. And in Doctrine and Covenants is a definition of truth. The Lord reveals his definition of truth. Things as they really are, as they, as they really were, and as they really will be. That is the definition of truth. Things as they really are. Things as they really were, things as they really will be. In other words, if I ate an apple for breakfast, I can't later say that I ate a banana and somehow call that my truth. What actually happened was I ate an apple. That is the truth. I can't arbitrarily say, well, I actually think that apple was a banana, so now I'm going to say I ate a banana. That's my truth. That's rubbish. Truth is things as they actually are, 
as they were, as they will be. And those that love the truth are the followers of Christ. And if you're not Christian listening to this, I think you'll agree that followers of truth are the followers of God. God stands for truth. And that is how you can tell the people you can trust and follow and uphold and those who you need to avoid. When Nancy Pelosi goes out there and tells the press reporters how she will come up with a lie and then they will publish the lie and then she will use their published writings as a confirmation of the lie as what she calls the wrap-up smear and that it's a tactic. I've played that clip before on my podcast and my plan is to continue. I will find that again and start playing it more regularly. Then you can know she is not a person that loves truth. You already know what side of this that she stands on. And when you're able to see those indications and you see two people talking and saying the same things because they want to get voted in, you can just look back at the history. Well, who is on the side of truth? And you can avoid the deception. That's all for today. I might go back and, and discuss that later with a middle, little more articulately. articulately I'll, hopefully, I'll be able to say that better in the future. I hope I've been able to share what, to me, is an amazing find. Truth is where it's at. You want to you want to align yourselves. You want to get your news sources from people who are honestly seeking the truth.